Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for this Pentecost Sunday comes from two sources. Uh, the first will be Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, and then we will read Acts 2, 1 through 21. Beginning with Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin cut covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these again, upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And they, then he said to me, mortal, both these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will pour, put my spirit within you and you shall live. I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. And now from Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. All of a sudden from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to one another in languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and were was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us 
in our own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and various parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they were filled with new wine. But the Lord, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea, all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall dream, see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show the portents in the heavens above, and in the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. Then the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I've always been fascinated by airplanes. Every time that I come to the airport and I'm getting on a flight, and even if I don't go on a flight, I am still awed by the experience. And the thing that leaves me in awe is the fact of the sheer impossibility of the whole event of flying. So you have these machines, these passenger planes that can carry hundreds of people and weigh over a million pounds, and yet they're able to lift up off the ground and into the sky. So how does that happen? Well, if you can Bear with me, I want to share a little bit of physics. Of course, gravity is the thing that keeps us down on the Earth. And in order to fly, you have to escape gravity. So take a passenger plane, maybe say a Boeing 737, and you have these engines, and they have to be brought up to speed as it goes down the runway, usually over 150 miles per hour. And as the plane is going down that runway, the air around the wings are being manipulated. The air below the wings is high. It's a high pressure. Above the wings is low pressure. The low pressure basically is the gravity that's trying to keep you down. The high pressure is what gives you lift. At some point, the plane's nose is pointed upward and that is called the angle of attack. And that is where you generate enough pressure underneath the wings that cause basically the massive machine to lift up off the ground and into the air. So at least now you've had it taken off, so what keeps it up in the air? Well, again, now that you're in the air, you're still generating, have to generate more high pressure than low pressure to escape the gravity. 
And of course, you have to have massive engines that can keep the plane going at a speed fast enough that will keep the pressure below the wings high enough in order to keep the plane in the ground, on, on the, in the air. Pretty simple. If you don't have functioning engines, you ain't gonna rain sound the runway, let alone stay in the air. If the plane doesn't have enough speed, the pressure beneath the wings won't be enough for the plane to get off the ground. And finally, if you don't have the air, you won't be able to generate the high pressure that is needed to fly. So you have to have all of this. And most importantly, you have to also have fuel that powers the engines, that keeps it at a good speed, that helps it to stay in the air. And there is one example of how this works. On July 23rd of 1983, there was an Air Canada Flight 143. It was a flight that was going from Montreal, Quebec, to Edmonton, Alberta. It was a Boeing 767. Now this was, Bo the, the 767 had just been introduced maybe earlier that year. This was an, a very advanced plane. It, had, it was a wide body plane. Usually wide bodies had either three or four engines. These had two engines. It was much more efficient than other planes before it. So this plane left Montreal with no problems and it continued across Canada and somewhere over Western Ontario, a warning light comes on. It was low fuel pressure on the left engine. And shortly thereafter, the same warning comes on the right engine. So the, the pilot and co-pilot decided that they need to divert the plane to Winnipeg, Manitoba. And then as they are getting the plane off to Winnipeg, the left engine flames out. So now they're going to start to prepare of how they're going to do a one engine landing. Well, you can guess what happened. The right engine also flamed out. And there was nothing in their handbook that told them how to land a plane with no engines. And in fact, of course now, this most advanced plane in the world was now a million pound divider. They were hoping that maybe they had enough motion to get to Winnipeg, but they did the calculations and found out they weren't gonna make it. And so, what it happened to that was that the first officer was a former member of the Royal Canadian Air Force. And he remembered that there used to be an air base in the town of Gimli, Manitoba. And I've actually been to Gimli. It's a beautiful lakeside town just off on the shores of Lake Winnipeg. So long story short, the pilots were able to glide their plane onto the runway at Gimli land the plane, albeit with a collapsed landing gear. And you can see pictures of this huge plane with its nose down on the ground and, of course, the chutes as the people came out. No lives were lost. They were able to get the plane down safely. So what happened? Well, remember that I said earlier, you need to have proper feed and 
and uh, to keep and to allow the how pressure to generate so that you can stay in the air. Of course, you also need fuel for all that to happen. And the problem was is that there was some confusion over how much gas to put into the engine. Canada at that time, in 1983, was switching from imperial measurements to the metric system. And instead of filling the tank in kilograms, they filled it in pounds. So in essence, the plane never had enough fuel to get to Edmonton. And that's how we ended up with the plane gliding on to an abandoned runway in rural Manitoba. So the whole miracle of planes is fascinating because it can get us to long distances in mere hours and the whole physics is just amazing. But the fact is that that is only possible if the plane has enough fuel to power the engines to allow the plane to generate enough high pressure to escape gravity. Otherwise, you're coming in for a surprise landing. Now, this day of Pentecost is a day that we talk about that third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but at least growing up, the third person of the Trinity always kind of left me a little perplexed and sometimes a little scared. I remember I grew up in a, in a charismatic church, and, and this was a church where people who were, were considered filled with the Spirit would yell and jump and shout during worship, and that all kind of confused me, and I didn't know if that's what I wanted the Holy Spirit to do to me. And the fact is, a lot of us don't really understand the Holy Spirit at all. It's so ethereal, and we don't really talk about it as much, but we don't really understand it. And I think most of us probably, not all of us, thankfully, would rather ignore the Holy Spirit and just move on with our lives. But I think, frankly, if we do that, we miss out on experiencing God, and frankly, we miss out on being the church. So in, in the book of Acts, the disciples are sitting in a room, and Jesus had just ascended to heaven. And they're waiting for something to happen. They had done some work by choosing Matthias to replace Judas, but other than that, there wasn't much going on. And in the book of Ezekiel, we're seeing this valley that is full of bones, and that has to be a horrible sight to just see all of these bones Bone people, bones that were once people, that there was life. These bones were connected to muscles and they were covered with skin and they were people, but they weren't now. I think sometimes church and as, as Christians, we can be like this. We can, our lives can be dormant or they can be once alive but kind of not. And sometimes a church can be like this. And I think sometimes for us as a community, I would bargain that after 14 months of being apart, where a lot of the church life, the things that we did together were put on hold, 
made us leaving, trying to get, regain our footing. And that can leave us parched. But on that Pentecost day back in Acts, there was a wind that broke into the, into the room and it affected the people who were there. If their lives were once black and white, the coming of the Holy Spirit allowed it to become in living color. In that valley in Ezekiel, the bones were all of a sudden reconnected and skin did cover the bones. And then the spirit was breathed in and the bodies came to life. The spirit is what powers the church. It empowers the big C church and it empowers our church. If there is no spirit, Basically, all that you have is a bunch of people going through the motions. The spirit is a high pressure that allows the church to lift off the ground and soar into the sky. It is the fuel that powers the engine to keep the plane going at a proper speed in the air. And as I look at the church on this Pentecost Sunday, I realize, again, because of the, the time away, we need an infusion of the Spirit. In many ways, because of COVID, we have been grounded. We have been kept from reaching out into our communities, the community around this church, the communities where we live, and to reach out to our friends because of COVID. But we can see in Acts that the Spirit lifted the disciples and they sent them on their way to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit tends to always push people out, to lift them up, to travel, push them into new lands, into new places. And I pray that the Holy Spirit can again lift this congregation into the world into new lands and new places. But I also know that wanting that, praying for that, is also scary. Remember I said earlier that I think people are scared of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes what may make us feel apprehensive is the fact of what the Holy Spirit does because the Holy Spirit always tends to push us out of our comfort zones, push us into places where we are to share the good news of Christ, where we are to go into a new world for the glory of God. So if we pray for the Holy Spirit to enter into our lives and into our hearts, God is going to give us visions and dreams that will push us to reach out to those who don't know Christ, who are dealing with injustice, or have been cast out of their communities. Just like a wind, God will disrupt our lives. And the fact is, that's scary. But I remember a few years ago, I remember seeing a video, it was a, of a church in Dallas that was being revitalized. And I could see how they were reaching out into that 
into their community, feeding people in the area and doing other things uh, in ministry. And the thing that I thought about is how scary it might, might have been to get to that point because to do that meant that you had to escape the gravity that kept them down, the things that either kept them from wanting to do this, the complacency, the fear, all of that. They had to take a step to open in faith, to open up to care for others. The Holy Spirit was able to lift them into new horizons. So on this Pentecost, I pray that everyone here at first, I pray that everyone here, that we have a renewal of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit enter our lives and ignite our souls. And I pray that we are, as a, as individually and as a community, can race down the runway, allow the high pressure of the Spirit to cause us to soar into God's great adventure. And I pray that we can be filled with the fuel of the Holy Spirit to trust where God is leading us and to be ready to do God's will. And I pray that for you also who are watching us on live stream, I pray that you will feel the Holy Spirit and trust where God will leave you. When a plane is working, it's a beautiful sight. You can sit in a window seat and you can see the clouds, you can see the mountains, and maybe if you're lucky, maybe the ocean. You can see God's creation and appreciate it in a way that you never could stuck on the ground. Planes fly because of the high pressure beneath the wing, giving us that is greater than the lower pressure above the wings. And it means escaping gravity in order to get off the ground and to soar. So may God's spirit allow us to soar and to move into God's adventure, being a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ and joining into God's work of justice in the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's fcc. S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.